Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So, today the title of my message is in line with that. It's making ready for your miracle. It's making ready for your miracle. I often ask the question, like, why is it that we do not see the miraculous take place like we did even when I was growing up? You know, why is it that we're not seeing some of the powerful things take place today like we read about in the Bible? And I have to tell you that I do not believe it's because God is not in the business of of bringing about the miraculous in our life. In fact, I will say this because because sometimes people are looking for the, you know, the the explosion in the sky and and while those are important and while while we need to expect for greater things, there is nothing greater than one man receiving Jesus or one woman or one child receiving Jesus as their Lord and their personal Savior. Do you know that every time a person asks Jesus to forgive them of their sins and they apply the work of the cross to their life and they make the decision, my goodness, to even enter into the waters of baptism, that is a miracle of its finest, right? There's nothing greater than that. And do you know this, that the Bible says that no man can even call Jesus Christ as Lord unless the the Holy Spirit give him that, that understanding. And so the miraculous is happening all around us. But even, and I even, I didn't even drop any of this in first service, but I think the truth is like I'm Pentecostal at my core. Like, like I believe in the fullness of, the, of what God has for us, that I believe that that is for today. I will say that I'm Pentecostal at my core, but with wisdom. And, 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 and like I'm just not about just things, you know, being out of balance and chaotic, right? right? Because, because we're told not to be that way in Scripture. Now, can we control everything? No, but I honestly believe even amongst Pentecostals, like there was a day and a time where you, where you would believe for big things and you've seen the miraculous happen in your life. Like you've seen people cured from cancer. You've seen people and their marriages restored, not through the counseling that came, but through the miracle that happened in a second as you laid hands on them and said, God, whatever it is that's the disruptor in this family between this husband and this wife, in Jesus' name, we say, thou thing must be removed and, and, and separated. And then all of a sudden, man, love is returned and devotion is returning, commitment is returning. So listen, I know for a fact that I'm amongst people that have seen some stuff. You've seen some things, you've witnessed some things. But even, even amongst those that believe and have seen some things, come on, there's been a bit of a shrinking back, maybe not on the individual level, but on the corporate level. And why is that? I don't know. It could be a lot of things. Maybe, maybe my brother, you prayed for something and you were believing for that thing to come to pass 
and it didn't happen. And so therefore, while you've got a history of God being faithful to the laying on of hands and the coming into agreement and the childlike faith that is required that when we pray, like you've seen some things, you've witnessed some things, but because this thing didn't happen, because Don Christensen ended up dying when we knew that God was going to raise him up and purify his body of that ugly thing called cancer. He died at the age of 51. You got your stories. I've got my stories. And so sometimes it's easier just to shrink back. It's easier to not get involved. It's easier not to go when God says go. It's easier not to make a scene when God says mess things up a little bit. It's easier just to kind of, you know what I mean? I, I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm not going to, you know, if they don't invite me in, like if they invite me in, I'll go. But if I'm uninvited, I'm telling you, there are powerful things that happen in the scripture when there was zero invitation. There was no invitation, but somebody interjected and brought Jesus to the center, and then their life changed from that point, come on, throughout the rest of their life and all eternity. Why? Because somebody involved themselves. There's so many things that are working against the church and the miraculous. Political correctness is one of those things. So many things have, have staged itself against a powerful move of God. And instead of God's people, come on, coming up underneath of it and saying, oh, there's a little bit resistance, boom, I'm just going to break through the resistance and I'm going to be what it is that God has called me to be and I'm going to do what it is that God's called me to do. And then, therefore, because I have done, now we're going to see what only can be done when one person exercises their faith and believes in the miraculous, my goodness, the miraculous comes about and it happens but I'm telling you there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't matter what those reasons are because listen as a church we're not looking back we're not looking at what has been what should have been what could have been I'm telling you what as a church we're looking forward to the future and we're looking forward listen whether you're ready for it or not 2023 is going to be a year of power. Some of you may not desire that. You may not be looking for that. That's okay. You could go to the sleepy church down the road because this is the deal. We're believing in greater things in 2023. Amen? So we got to make ready for a miracle. See, there are, there are natural laws that govern the universe. Who put those natural laws in place? God did, right? He put him in place. And if he puts something in place, he's able to break the very thing that he puts in place. And so the supernatural is when God breaks the very natural laws that he's put in place to govern the universe. The supernatural is when he breaks those laws. That means it doesn't make sense to the logic you know, the logical thinker, the educated person, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense, he's going to do it anyway. Why? Because there's a purpose that's greater, come on, than the, than the law. Come on, nothing about even Jesus coming and being born makes sense. Like if you, if you weren't 
around any Christians and you're telling somebody for the first time, hey, listen, I want to tell you this really cool story. Oh, yeah? What is the story? Well, there was this virgin, right? Never known a man before. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll talk to you later about not knowing a man. <laughs> but never knew a man before. Woke up one day pregnant with child. Then the God, you know, visits and has this great birth, like, like, like fully God and fully man. And like, the, whole, the whole story, it just nothing makes sense about it. Why? Because there was a need. What was the need? The need was you and it was me. See, we were separate from God, right? We were the, we were the very enemy of God. Had no relationship with God. God said, listen, I'm going to have to pay a big price myself by giving my only son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to lay down his life on a cross, to resurrect, to show himself over 40 days to over 500 people, come on, and then resurrect into the heavens to be with me. That's what he's done. None of that. If you're telling that to somebody for the first time, they're going to be like, yeah, what are you smoking? What are you smoking, right? When have you ever seen, come on, a, 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 you know, if somebody was to tell you, yeah, I'm with child, but I've never been with a man, you're like, yeah, you haven't been with a man, right? And so, so don't be so tied to the natural church that you miss the supernatural. Don't be so tied to, to, your, to your ability to think and reason that you miss what it is that God is doing. And we love education, right? We believe that we should, we, like, we should not just be foolish Christians, ignorant Christians. We should be educated Christians. And, 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 and we should know why we believe what it is that we believe. And so Jesus performed one miracle. I got to hurry up. I spent too much time, but he performed one miracle that's found in all four of the Gospels. This is the feeding of the 5,000. So we see this story in Matthew. We see it in Mark. We see it in Luke. And we see it in John. It's powerful when one story is shared in all four Gospels because this doesn't happen very often. It should cause us to, to draw in a little bit closer and say, what is it that God is trying to show us in and through this miracle? So Jesus is getting ready to teach, and, and many people have gathered, and there was a boy that had gathered as well with a lunch. This boy was different than all the others, meaning his mom made sure and sent him away with some food in a brown paper bag. Very different, very unique from all the other people. But this boy, we're just going to call him Little Johnny because all little boys in the Bible, well, they are given the name Little Johnny. So this guy's no different. And he is assembled there just like everybody else is assembled there with 5,000 other men. He's assembled there because they've heard of the power, the supernatural power that Jesus is healing people. And he's casting demons out of people. And he's, and he's, and he's setting those that are bound and captive free. He's opening blind eyes and he's allowing the lame come on to walk once again. So they're assembled there. And I want you to know this, that this boy has no idea that he's about to participate in a miracle that is going to be shared thousands of years later, just like we're sharing it here today. He had no idea. So with that, I want us to stop and realize that how often are we close to miracles, but we don't even realize how close we are. I mean, think about this. You came here this morning, many of you driving the same road that you drive every single Sunday. 
You pull into the parking lot, hopeful to park in the same parking lot, but at least in the general vicinity because you typically show up about the same time. You walk into the church with an idea that I'm going to sit in the same chair, and if somebody has gotten here just a little bit sooner than you, then you're a little upset about it, but you'll settle for the same section. Like I can tell you, for many of you, like, like you're so amazed whenever I see you out in town or I see you at the grocery store and you're like, and I'm like, man, I haven't seen you in church in a while. You're, you're thinking to yourself, I see it on your face. You're like, how did he know? It's because I know exactly where you sit. And, and, and as I scan the audience, I'm just like, well, so-and-so's not here today. Man, so-and-so hadn't been here in about four weeks or longer. So, so, so I see you, and we have this, this conversation, but this is the deal. When you happen to do the same thing over and over and over again, there's a word for that, and it's called redundant. And sometimes in life, we can live redundantly. We could just go through the motions. And I'm telling you this, that it's possible that you drive the same roads, park in the same parking spot, sit in the same seat, or at least the section, but you really don't even realize how close you are to your miracle story. Why? Because you're unaware and you're not paying attention and you're just kind of treating things, well, redundantly. It's just another day. I was talking to Margie. We had our Christmas, uh, Christmas party and Margie was telling me about this great Bible study that some people in the church are going through. And I said, oh yeah, it's great, huh? She said, yeah, it's wonderful, pastor. I said, okay, tell me one thing that's great about it. Usually, people are stunned. Why? Because we use language that we really don't even mean. She wasn't stunned. Immediately, right out of the gate, she said, let me tell you what's great and what I've learned about it. I have learned that every morning, the first thing that I do is I begin to put on the full armor of God. And I just began to celebrate that. I said, Margie, do you know how beautiful that is? And I'm thinking about this service and I'm putting my message together as I go. I said, Margie, because you get up and you're putting on the full armor of God every single morning, then what's going to happen is you're not going to miss the moment or the opportunity for God to do the miraculous in your life because you're living your days intentionally. How often do we stay up late and then all of a sudden we wake up late and then all of a sudden we're rushing, we're throwing our pants, our shoes, hopefully things are on the right side and we get to work and we dive into our work and it's, by, it's, about, it's about noon before we even think of the Lord because our day is leading us instead of us leading our day. And I'm just saying this that it's possible that you're going to miss the miraculous. It's all around you, but you're going to miss it because you're unaware. That's why I love missions trips so much. Going to Uganda, you know what I mean? We invest a lot of time. We do a lot of planning and preparation. It costs money to go on these trips. And so we go and we see the miraculous. I'm telling you, we saw so many manifestations take place as we laid hands on the sick and, 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 and people responded. I believe that we saw many people delivered. One of those was a, was a young man that was an alcoholic, maybe 25, 26 years old. In the service that I was speaking, this was Saturday during the conference I was speaking, I shared with them and they were just amazed that, that I was bound by alcoholism in my history. 
I don't know if pastors in Uganda just don't deal with those kinds of things or they're not open about those kinds of things. But, but, um, but I just shared it out there. And so we come, we come to the prayer portion of the service, and one of the pastors comes up to me and says, listen, this guy's laid out on the floor really just being messed with. And said, I want you to pray for him. He's been bound by alcohol for, for over 10 years. That means he started before he was the age of 15. So, man, I get down and I'm just praying. I'm praying the peace of God. I'm praying the release of God. I'm praying that the bondage just be, just be taken off of him. And I felt like the Lord was saying, stand him up, because he's kind of wiggling all over on the ground. And when I felt like the Lord said, stand him up. And I'm telling you, man, I, I put my arms around him and I gave him just a big bear hug. And my, my mouth was right next to his ear. And I just began to prophesy and declare that this thing that had attached himself, this addiction. Can I just tell you, I want to identify that addiction is not from light, it's from darkness. So I want you to know if you're bound in something that you cannot have victory over, it's not God. Amen? And, and the Lord is saying, listen, I've done everything that you need to come out from that place. I've given my life. I've laid it down so that you can walk in freedom. And so I'm bear-hugging this guy, and I've got his ear right next to my mouth, and I'm prophesying. I'm speaking in tongues, and I'm prophesying, and I'm telling him, listen, no more, no more. You're going to be set free, and you're not going to go back to this. And then all of a sudden, I felt like it was done, and I let him go. And then I went on praying for other people. Well, Sunday I was speaking. I was, the, I was the, the main speaker for the Sunday service there. So we go through the whole service. And after the service, he has over 100 people get up and come and shake. My wife and I are there and other people on our team were with us. And they're, and they're shaking our hands. All, all, all more than 100. And, and so we're praying for them as well. We're the, next thing you know, I turn and there's this kid that's standing in front of me. And he's holding this bracelet. I wish I would have wore it this morning. It's a beaded bracelet. It's a wood bead. Somebody carved out all the beads. And then the continent of Africa is the, is the, I guess you would call it a chime or something. But this guy went and he got this bracelet and he came and he brought it back to me as a gift. And I didn't recognize him. He said, do you remember me? I said, and, and, and then I was about to say no and at the moment that, that I was about to say no, I was like, this is the same kid that I just prayed for yesterday. See, his countenance, everything about him has changed. Come on, he, he probably hadn't, he probably, I mean, he, he was dirty, filthy, just, just, it felt like the darkness and oppression was just on him. No life, no freedom. And then all of a sudden, you got a brand new person. Come on, cleaned up, huge smile. Didn't see a smile on his face the day before. Saw torment in his life. And he was like, I am the guy that you prayed for. And so we just rejoiced, man, and celebrated. And, um, and I'm telling you this, that this is what happens whenever it is that you go, whenever it is that you do. You see, you see sometimes people are like, listen, I hear about the powerful happening all the time. The miraculous, oh yeah, we hear about all this, all this, this great things that, that, that take place, but I haven't seen it. You know, so they, they, they kind of hard-hearted a little bit. Oh yeah, I hear about all these amazing things that happen, but I haven't seen it. 
I haven't witnessed it. That's interesting. It always happens when I'm not around, right? Like somebody's behind the scenes just making stuff up. And you know what I feel like telling people that make comments like that? When was the last time you went and did something? When was the last time that you climbed on a plane and flew 27 hours in the air? When was the last time that you, you allowed, come on, your schedule to be disrupted? You, when was the last time that you weren't worried so much about your reputation that you stepped out and did what it is that God was asking you to do because it's only in that place that you're going to experience the power of God move because God requires participation. And we have so many folks that know that they should do something, that God is prompting. It's not, a, it's not something that I just came up with in my own mind. God knows I would never do that, but God is prompting. He's moving, he's speaking, he's directing, and we're given the opportunity. And before we ever take a step in saying yes, we logically tell ourselves why it's foolish and it won't even matter if we do it anyway. This is the state of the church not Grace Church going forward. Not Grace Church going forward. Life is filled with miracle moments. The participation, well, that's up to you. So what three things are needed? What are the ingredients, the recipe for a miracle? Number one, a need presents itself. Number two, somebody takes responsibility for that need. And number three, this is the most tricky, is you dive in with both feet even when it defies all odds. And now you've got the perfect ingredient for a miracle. See, Jesus in our story here, he's doing great works. He's ministering to people. He's looking at his disciples. They're kind of tired and, and, and messed up. And he's like, listen, let's go away and let's get some rest. And so the Bible says that he steps into a boat and they step into a boat to go find a remote place that they can rest and eat. I want you to turn your Bible to Mark chapter 6 and verse 33. It's where we're picking it up today. But many who saw them leaving, so they're in the boat, they're leaving. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns, and they ran ahead and they got ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he already saw a large crowd that it was assembled, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so I want you to know this, that even though Jesus is tired and the disciples are tired, he has compassion, he's moved because the need, the need is so big. And so the Bible says that Jesus began to teach them many things. Now it was late in the day and so his disciples came to him and they came to him and they said, listen, this is a remote place. Basically they're interrupting the teaching that Jesus is doing this is a remote place, it's late in the day. Send these people away so that they can buy some food. How many of you know that the disciples weren't really worried about the people, they were worried, most worried about themselves. They were like, listen, we're hungry, let's go tend to ourselves. And I love this, Jesus answered and said, you feed them. They said, serious? That would take more than a half year's wages. Verse 38, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. And he said, go and see. When they found out, they said, we've got five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. 
So they sat them down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the bread. Then he gave the bread to the disciples to distribute among the people. And he also did the same with the two fish. They all ate and were satisfied. Somebody say satisfied. This means that they just didn't eat just a small portion, get a little bit of protein so that they could get back. They all ate to the point that they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up what was left over. We're just going to call them leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers. And the Bible said that there were 5,000 that were assembled there that day. So my question is this. If I was going to ask you, what do you need? What is necessary for you to have a miracle, to witness a miracle, to be a part of a miracle? There might be many answers. One of the answers would be faith. Like some of you have already answered that in your mind. For us to receive a miracle, there has to be faith. But I would say this, that there were people that received miracles in the Bible that didn't exercise any faith. Another thing that would be said is prayer, like you have to pray, and while prayer is essential and faith is essential, especially for those that are, that are in the body of Christ, these are very, very important. There were people that received miracles that never prayed a, a, a prayer at all to receive those miracles. And so I want to dumb this down just a little bit. More than faith and prayer, every miracle requires a problem. Every miracle requires a problem. Somebody say, no problem? No, problem. no miracle. <laughs> Every miracle requires a problem. In Uganda, this man with the addiction came up. He had a problem. He was set free at that moment. See, listen, this is good news for us, that every miracle requires a problem. Why is it good news? Because I live in an area where I swim always in the deep end, meaning that I am in an area that I'm always over my head. See, I, I aspire, I personally aspire to reach higher heights than what I've ever reached. And so with this, with this great desire, I often find myself in need of miracles. Why? Because if God doesn't show up, then it's, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. We're talking about a school. We've been talking about a school for a little while now. It's amazing to me. After, after years of talking about a school, I am now getting phone calls of, of people that have the ability, come on, to oversee a school. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I've been treading water. It's coming. It's coming. I have no idea. Certainly, no, I can't lead a school. I can't run a school, but it's coming. And then all of a sudden, because we've been in the deep end, expecting for things that don't make sense. Why? Because we don't have what it is that we need at this moment. But God spoke back here, and we've not let it hit the ground. We've continued to carry it in prayer. Now we're seeing, while it's not huge movement, it's little movement, we're acquiring more land. I don't know if you knew that at all, but I want to say, just how much I appreciate Steve and Linda Meyer and the Meyer family and Derek and all those folks for, for even being open to the idea of us getting more land. Can't have a school with the same property we have right now. I'm telling you, things are, things are happening. Why? He spoke way back here when it didn't make sense, but we had faith enough to believe that it's going to happen. How many of you think that we need another Christian school in the area? Come on, especially now. Wow. So I don't want to assume anything. 
I've done that, and that's got me in, pro- in trouble. But I just, I'm asking you, is there anybody here? And I'm, this is the, where we participate, right? If this is you, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that has a problem? Like you've got it, you're dealing with a problem. Okay, all over the place. All over the place. Okay. How many of you are sitting next to your problem? Okay. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> You're not supposed to raise your hand on that one. <laughs> Dude, we had a lot more people raise their hand second service than first service on that second one. This is the beautiful thing is, is that, man, oh, man. If, if you are literally having a problem right now, you're in the middle of something bigger than, than, than yourself, then you are literally close to the, you know, God doing something supernatural in your life. In fact, I would say this, and I just thought about this, uh, shared at first service, and, and it's so true. Like At the end of every service, you know, we'll usually do one of two things if we've got the time. We will pray for needs, problems that people have, because we believe that God can move on somebody's behalf, right? He can show up and set things that are out of order in order. Or we will also ask people, have you received Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? We'll give people an opportunity, you know what I mean, to receive Jesus and, and, and for salvation to occur. How many of you know that's the greatest thing that can happen in a service? So that happens frequently as to why we have baptisms on the, on the regular. But I was thinking about this. How about we, instead of inviting people that have problems to come up and be prayed for, how about we invite those that don't have any problems to be come up and prayed for? How many of you didn't raise your hand? Anybody not raise your hand? Who didn't raise your hand? You have no problems whatsoever? See, ma'am, this is what I want you to know. You thinking you have no problems? You've got the biggest problem of them all. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But how about we bring those folks up and we lay hands on them, anoint them with oil and say, God, give them a problem. Just give them a problem. Because now that they've got a problem, they can, they're closer, you know what I mean, to that miracle. And, uh, and I'm just saying this, that... Don't be surprised if that happens. So Jesus, Jesus back in our story, he's teaching a great lesson here. And his disciples, like he's teaching, he's meeting the needs. People are probably getting saved. They're probably, you know what I mean? Like he's, who knows what all's happening. But I can guarantee you this, that this crowd is enthronged in what it is that he's saying. Then all of a sudden, somebody's like pulling on his shirt and saying, hey, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, 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 Jesus. And he's, and he's just preaching through it, preaching through it. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, what? What is going on? It's like, what is so important? Can't you see? You, you want to talk about people that are not situationally aware. You know what I'm saying? And, and, then, and, then, and then probably they could see that Jesus was irritated. Like, what is, what? See what I'm doing? What? Well, it's late. And these people are hungry. You know, send them away. Once again, I think that what was speaking at that moment were their own stomachs and their own desires. But I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm telling you this, that, that um, uh, 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 what am I telling you? 
Oh, oh, what I'm telling you is this. I'm telling you that they probably, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, what am I saying? What am I telling you? What I was looking to say was this. They probably regretted the interruption because up to that point, guys, it was Jesus' responsibility to take care of the multitudes of the people. At the moment that these disciples, you know, they, they interrupted at the moment, then what did Jesus turn and say? You feed them. So now Jesus was probably going to care for this on his own, but now there's a prime opportunity for him to involve these, these disciples. And so, and so um, these are the miracles that we prefer. Is when we're able to identify a problem and then we go to God in prayer and we say, God, okay, now you handle this problem. These are the ones that we, that we really like. And really, what I think people are most interested in is not the miracle, but they're interested in magic. They, they, they want, see, see, God, you saw what I did. Like, I was the identifier of that problem, and I just sent you out like, like, like you work for me. Go do this great thing. And, and there's this puffed up kind of egotistical, maybe another reason why people aren't interested in the miraculous anymore, because it's been misused, mishandled, abused, and, 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 and list, literally, I'm going to use a word that's in my mind, prostituted for personal gain and prideful, you know, reason. So, so this is what we like to do. God, see this problem, now go get them. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, listen, that God is not interested in our interruptions and he's not really interested in what we think about it. He's not interested so much in our ideas. What he's interested in is our participation. And I want us to realize that for this miraculous to work, he's saying, listen, I want you to participate. Listen, he could have fed the 5,000 without the little boy even being there, without the little boy's involvement. He could have fed the 5,000 without the resource that the little boy willingly gave. Jesus could have done anything that he wants, but time after time after time after time, we see participation in the miraculous. Take a look at Lazarus. Oh, your friend, the one that you love, Lazarus is sick. Oh, he's sick? Okay, I'm on my way. He's going to be okay. He gave the promise. He shows up late, and Mary and Martha are disturbed. They're like, listen, if you just would have come when we called you to come, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. And so they believed in the supernatural ability to heal their brother. But now, because time has elapsed, they didn't believe. In fact, Jesus was grieving because of their pain that they were feeling. He said, listen, take me to where Lazarus is. Where's the tomb? So they take him to the tomb, and, they, and Jesus says one thing. He just says one thing. Remove the stone. And then all of a sudden, the logic of these women kick in. You can't remove the stone. Don't you know he's been buried in there for four days? By this time, the stench is terrible. And so logic gets in the way. See, Jesus wasn't asking, how long has he been dead? Jesus wasn't asking, how dead is he dead? <laughs> Jesus didn't ask, you know, what the stench could be like. He didn't ask any of these things. He simply made a command that went against every ounce of logic and reason. If you're thinking, what's wrong with those crazy ladies? You would probably be in the same boat what do you mean remove the stone? The guy's been, like, he's dead dead. He's not just little dead. 
He is dead, dead. Break his body's already decomposing. He didn't ask any of that. He said, simply remove the stone. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He wasn't, he wasn't angry. He said, hey, I'm about to do something. The glory of God is going to be seen this day. Remove the stone. So after whatever it is that they came to combat, their education, their logic, the Bible says that they removed the stone and Lazarus came out. See, your miracle is oftentimes on the opposite side of the stone. The stone is the natural. The supernatural is awaiting for you. But unless you participate, you're not going to see it. And so listen, going into 2023, it's very important that you pay attention and, and live your days intentionally because God will direct you and, and ask you to do what everybody else in the room thinks is crazy. But if you will but do it, then you're, you're, you're going to see the manifestation power of God move in and through your life. It's going to happen. Listen, I know there's like six people clapping, and what that means is that that, that you're kind of like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe kind of. But I'm just saying, if you, I, I really feel that you've got to put yourself out there, and then it's in putting yourself out there, it's in going, and it's in doing. Once again, the, the reason why these mission trips are so powerful, why is because we're focused on every second of every day. We know that we're there on mission, on purpose, by design to do something. And so the likeliness of, of us missing something is much smaller than you just living your day-to-day -day mundane lives, taking, paying the bills, taking care of the kids. But man, when God shows and speaks and says, go and do, when you step out and say, can I pray for you? Can I believe with you? Then we're gonna have these testimonies that are taking place right here in this community. I gotta hurry up. All right. So Jesus says, you feed them. All of a sudden, the disciples are going through the crowd. Hey, we're in a big way, man. You got any food? You got any food? Well, imagine if you were like little Johnny, right? You're thinking, what does he want my lunch for? I would be like slipping it up underneath because a smashed lunch is better than no lunch. And what is my lunch going to do on this big scale? I know for a fact it'll satisfy me for a moment. But I'm just telling you this, that little Johnny could have done that. He could have hidden it, and he would have been satisfied. But because he gave what he had, he participated in the miracle. We're talking about him over 2,000 years later. See, the miracle is in the exchange. And this is my closing statement. Watch. The miracle is going to happen the worship team is going <laughs> to just wait. It's coming. Maybe not. Where's the worship team? There we go. We got a couple. This is <laughs> you were messing with me, man. Let's bring our worship team up here. I want us to realize this. Thank you, Matthew. You were back there just hanging out. <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. Where are you at? Now's not the time. Yeah. I'm preaching now. Yeah, yeah. Get up here. I want us to know this, that God's opening doors for opportunities for all of us. 
it's going to require our involvement. I, was, I, I shared this with first service. If I shared it in this service, I apologize because everything just kind of ran together. But I was, in, uh, I was in Perkins the other day, and um, I was having uh, lunch with Bob and Arlene Dempsey. Pray for Bob. He was in the emergency room last night, and um, they had sent him home. But pray for him and Shirley Hess and so many other people that are dealing with just, just, just sickness, right? And, um, but I was having this lunch, and there was a young man that... that uh, that used to work at one of the facilities. It's an older folks home. It's a facility that we stream our services into. And this guy's looking at me from across the restaurant. He's a server. And he comes up to me with a big old smile on his face. I thought he was mad mugging me for a while. I was like, it's all puffing up. But he comes up to me and he says, uh, you're Pastor Travis. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He said, we watch. We watch you every Sunday at da 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 da, da said the, the place. And, um, and he just came up, and I said, man, thank you so much for just coming. And I saw you looking at me. I was, like, a little weirded out for a second. But he's like, yeah, I was like, I know this guy. I didn't know if I worked with you or, or what, but it was, it was the church. And, and so, so anyway, I, was like, I just felt like the Lord's, you know, saying, because he didn't come up for any reason just to say hi. But I was just like, man. Is there anything that you're going through right now? And, and he was nervous because I'm telling you, our table was full. The next table was full. We were like right in the middle of just a lot of people in Perkins. It was uh, high noon. And he was just kind of a little bit hesitant, but he said, uh, just kind of under his breath, he said, well, yeah, there is, there is some things. And he whispered to me what those what those things were and while in my prayer I didn't divulge what those things were I'm telling you when I said can I pray for you I didn't pray quietly in fact I declared some things in the spiritual realm to, to manifest and take place in his life in the natural realm and I'm telling you it was a very special moment but, but I did that if you think that just because you're a pastor that you don't have you know, that you don't feel encouraged to protect your reputation, that you don't, that you don't want to be portrayed. Like if you think that whenever you become a pastor, that you don't have to protect. If you think you don't have pride to deal with, let's just call it what it is. If you think that pride goes away just because you answer the call of ministry and, you know, what are people going to think? Man, that crazy, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'm telling you, all of that stuff, I just threw it down because I knew that there was ministry, there was spiritual work that needed to happen. And while I left what he shared with me private, I declared some things very publicly to manifest in his life. And listen, I don't even, like, like the enemy is messing even with our words. This whole manifesting thing that we see is garbage. How the world is approaching, you know, it just, it's, it's garbage. And so when I say that, I'm not talking about manifesting things like, like man, if I just keep believing, if I keep believing, then one day I'm going to have this ride or I'm going to have this, you know, this house or I'm going to have this, 
You, like, listen, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about something beginning in the spiritual realm, but then showing itself in the natural realm that, that literally leads to freedom, that leads to liberty, that leads to life, that leads to love, that leads to peace, that leads to hope, all of these wonderful things. And so this is what I'm talking about. Like I could have very well shut my mouth. Hey, it's great to meet you, huh? you know, and missed out on an opportunity to be used by God, nothing that I did, but by God to do what God wanted to do in this man's life. It'll be interesting the next time I see him just to see what's happening because I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you a prayer like this, a moment like this, it doesn't go without there being any changes. It doesn't happen without something, without something significantly taking place. I know it. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And I promise you this, this man will be in this church soon. He'll be here. There's no doubt. There's no doubt because he's going to tie what is the good things that are happening in his life. He's going to tie it to God. And, and I was the one that was able to introduce him to this amazing God. And, and he'll be here. He'll be here. When he does, if he's okay with it, I'll introduce you to him. But this is the deal. This should be happening. And, and God desires for these things to happen hundreds and hundreds of times on a weekly basis. Tomorrow, I promise you, and I'm closing. This is my last statement. I already told you. I promise you tomorrow, if you pay attention, every single one of you will be given an opportunity to point somebody towards Jesus or to stand in the gap with somebody, pray on their behalf and give God glory, amen? Because the miraculous is only for one reason. Matt and I were talking about this beforehand. Sometimes people think the miraculous is just so you can, you know, have, a, have an experience a better life. It's so much more than that. Like a better life, healing in your body is a byproduct of the miracle. Do you know why the miracle comes? So God's name can be glorified. Number one above every other reason that his name can be glorified. And then you're just a benefactor of his name being glorified in the earth. So let's not get things out of crazy whack and balance. Let's glorify the name of God. Somebody told me, I, I don't even know who it was. Maybe somebody here. No, it was last service, Dusty, Pastor Dusty. He said, Travis, do you know this? That when the power of God is moving, and I promise you, this is my last statement. When the power of God is moving, there's two things he told me that are taking place. People will respond because they wanna be set free. And then God also wants to set them free. So never, never, never shrink back from an opportunity. And that, my friends, is my message. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. 
We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.